0: Cannon, um hope you guys are having a wonderful friday um and uh you know a little bit of rain today but beautiful weather tomorrow and hopefully that will uh make up for all this crappy weather recently um it is somehow may 1st 2020 i don't understand i feel like it's march 78th instead uh i mean next week will be eight weeks of doing uh this, uh, distance learning. Um, and then, uh, earlier today, New York announced that schools are closed for the remainder of the school year. Um, governor Lamont is supposed to be updating us next week. So, um, you know, we'll just prepare and then we'll deal with what happens. Uh, obviously it's out of our control, um, this whole situation and not the way that we wanted to, uh, end your second semester senior year here at new Canaan. But, uh, but we're making do, I appreciate all the, all the work people are doing on prep for the ap test um, or if you're doing the alternative project tuning into this podcast sending me emails um, you know, it's been great to hear from uh, all of you that I've heard from and uh, and I miss you and uh, and I can't uh, wait to get to see you guys at some point um, and celebrate your amazing accomplishments uh, in high school. So um, we did get some good news yesterday that, uh, again, hospitalizations are, are down um, and so we look like we're on track for some uh, gradual reopening uh, on May 20th uh, in the state, uh, so allowing the economy to get back to um, work a little bit. Uh, Obviously, they're still encouraging work from home uh, if at all possible, Uh, but we're looking at um, hair salons, barber shops, opening museums, parks, um, uh, restaurants with outdoor seating uh, and uh, and some other things that are opening. So hopefully, as the weather gets nice, it'll allow us to get out and uh, and and frequent some local businesses um, who have certainly weathered a very tough storm uh, recently uh, amidst all of this coronavirus uh, pandemic and shutdown. Um, and so um, they need our support. So uh, if you can um, and it's safe when it when it happens, um, get out there and uh, and and support your local businesses. Uh, I myself didn't decide. Uh, mistakenly to give myself a haircut today and uh, already regretting it a little too short on the sides than I wanted to do so um, you know may have some fun with it before I I give it the final look but you know uh, I guess I'm not really going anywhere to uh, for anyone to see so um, you know anything I share with you guys is for your eyes only so um, anyway yeah so that's uh, kind of what's going on uh, in uh, the world there was an amazing Parks and Rec special uh, on Thursday night if you haven't seen it well first if you haven't seen the show you, you gotta watch it because it's one of the best shows uh, on television um, and uh, I particularly love it it's uh, it's local government so uh, so they have fun with that, uh, that genre uh, of, of comedy uh, looking at a local parks, recreation and stuff. Um, and they I mean, they they really do get some some government uh, issues down. I mean, they do it in a funny way, but uh, but it's it's pretty accurate. Uh, I particularly I, I think we showed parts of it and stuff uh, like the filibuster that a comedian Patton Oswald does uh, in one of the episodes. You can watch the whole 17 minute version of it online. Um, obviously, that wasn't for the show because it was only a 22 minute show so that would have taken up uh, the majority of <laughs> their episode uh, that one so uh, but it was it was great to kind of see and it was really cool how they how they worked it all together um, and of course I loved uh, Tom Haverforth's uh, the ridiculous uh, suggestions of uh, products uh, for uh, the pandemic and quarantine um, so. Um, that is, uh, that is entertaining and, and, and a fun 24 minutes or so. If you, if you're looking for something to watch and you've watched, uh, all the seasons of parks, and rec, if you haven't, uh, then start watching it. I mean, the first couple seasons are, it takes a while to get their feet and stuff, but by season three, it is, uh, it is, it is gold. Um, and it's, uh, by the same guys who did the office. Um, and then, uh, and then also if you like, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine or, uh, the good place, uh, a lot of the same, um. Uh, 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 writers and creators of those shows so all good things to to watch if you're looking for a new binge. Um anyway, uh, I'm excited to share uh my uh, interview today. Uh it this was another one that was a long time coming. Uh and this is actually my uh my favorite professor from college. Um so he taught my uh intro to American government uh political science 101 class It helped uh secure me being a political science major. Um, I really uh, appreciated uh, his uh, insights and knowledge. Um, he became, uh, a good friend also, uh, and someone that I, uh, I regularly met with and, uh, enjoyed, a, a couple lunches together at the local bar at campus. Um, and, uh, just all around terrific, terrific person. Um, it has an amazing career. I'm going to have him on more, uh, a couple more episodes. Um, so he was a captain in the Navy reserves. Um, he taught at the Naval Academy. Uh, he worked in the Pentagon, um, and then he had a long career at Loyal University of Chicago. Um, he is one of the experts in the country on civil military relations and has written a couple, uh, books about that, uh, and a widely published author, um, and, uh, and just all around fantastic, fantastic person. And, uh, one, I am so lucky that I had the uh, opportunity to take his class and meet. And so, um, we had a great catch up before we started recording, uh, which I really enjoyed, uh, and, and made me smile. So, you know, it's these little things that I, that I, uh, have found, um, a lot of happiness in while we're in, in shutdown and obviously why it's hard and I, and I miss the classroom. Uh, it has given me a chance to catch up with some people from my past, uh, who have had a very positive, uh, and, uh, and real influential, um, uh, place, uh, you know, in my history and stuff and in my heart and have helped lead me to the career, uh, that I have now and that I love so much, uh, and so uh, Dr. Williams is uh, at the top of that list. So him and uh, and Miss D, who you guys heard last Friday, um, those are those are the two teachers that I that I had in my past that uh, influenced my teaching more than anything. Um, so if you like uh, my government class and what we what we do and talk about and stuff, um, a lot of that is attributed to Dr. Williams. And so um, and since we've been doing prep and talking some about the foundation, um, it was a great. opportunity opportunity also to kind of get another uh, lesson from him. Uh, so I took his class in, uh, the fall semester of 2002. Um, so this is 18 years later, um, getting some knowledge from my, uh, my good professor, uh, again. And so now he's going to pass that on to you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy our talk. Um, and, uh, it was so much gr- uh, fun and a great time to catch up with them. So, uh, uh, please, uh, enjoy Dr. Williams. All right, uh, New Canaan seniors, I am very excited, uh, a little nervous, but mostly excited uh, to talk to uh, my absolute favorite professor from uh, Loyola University of Chicago. Um, I had him for my first political science class uh, freshman year, first semester, um, and then uh, was able to take a couple more classes of his before um, either the school didn't allow me or he didn't want me in his class. Um, but so I have uh, Professor uh, Williams on the podcast today. Professor Williams, how's it going?
1: Oh, going doing great, Mike. I was very really glad to hear from you. Uh, and I'm also delighted to know that you are, are in education. It seems like a perfect fit for you.
0: Well, thank you. I, uh, I, there was a uh, – a, the summer that I took American Foreign Relations, um, I had just studied abroad in Rome. And so I was back in Chicago for the summer going into uh, senior year because I, I needed an extra credit. Um, and I was uh, had the opportunity to have uh, a, a burger lunch with you at Hamilton uh, before the midterm. Um, note to students: uh, maybe it's not best to enjoy a beer with a professor, or it's the smartest thing you can do before a midterm. Well, um, the
1: professor had to, the professor had to pay,
0: lest it would appear corrupt. Exactly. So, uh, but but we had a conversation, and, and and I think that was the first time where you mentioned uh, academics to me, and, uh, um, and and you said that you could you could see me being in the classroom one day, and uh, and that kept in the back of my mind for uh, eight years while I pursued some political, uh, um, opportunities, um, and they were great, but, uh, eventually I made my way to the classroom and, uh, I haven't looked back and, uh, and I couldn't be happier. So, uh, um, you know, uh, students listen to, uh, the wise words of your elders, uh, you know, because they, uh, they, they know a lot more than you. Um, and so now I get the opportunity to, uh, to talk with the man himself who, uh, who definitely had a very positive impact on my uh, college career and now my uh, my teaching career. So I, I think very often a Professor Williams he's a little voice in the back of my head, um, you know, getting me to do something or stop doing something in class.
1: Well, I have an easy name to remember, John Allen Williams. I use my middle name for writing because there's so many John Williamses out there and then up pops the Washington sniper with the same name and suddenly i became very difficult to find on google
0: uh, yeah I in- so i was in your class when that happened um and i remember you talking about the 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 comments that you were getting um from people um uh who who then looked up your name and then and then found you had a website and starting sending uh some pretty hateful emails to a uh dot a edu. yeah
1: Okay, so kids, now that you've got my email address, if you want the, any any uh, you know inside stuff on your teacher, just send me a note
2: uh,
1: <laughs> um well one of the amazing things were the people it wasn't so much that they were hostile it was that they they figured that this was me, and so i got uh they figured out my web page and I got five thousand hits overnight. Mm-hmm. Include, including some solicitations from very sketchy websites that wanted to put click-through links on there that would go back to their most inappropriate websites. Mm. Imagine the Jesuit fathers' reaction to that. Uh, but, oh yes, <laughs> but I was busy sanitizing my web page, getting pictures of kids off it. You know, anything you know before we were sensitive about this stuff.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: But also, uh, I, I studied war and violence. I'm a, I'm a retired Navy captain in the reserves, and I write about military things. And I did a book review of a of a book called On Killing, the point of which was uh, it's really hard to make to, because people are programmed not to harm other people, not to kill mm-hmm. them. And, and how do you get them to, to do it? I mean, that was pretty basic stuff. Um, and that, that confirmed them in their opinion that that I certainly had to be the Washington sniper.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. my. Uh, I mean, it's crazy now that kids, you know, I, I'm teaching students who, uh, you know, were born after 9-11, um, you know, and, and they don't know about these early 2000s. Or, uh, the, the craziest thing to me now is that, you know, I have students, uh, and, you know, and, and professors will have students who have, have never known America not at war. Uh um which is uh which is which is just fascinating uh to me you know i uh there was a great front line a couple years ago called obama at war um which kind of dealt with his uh decisions around what to do with syria um you know and it came in as you know he's the anti-war president following president bush he's going to end the wars in iraq and afghanistan and uh And, and, I mean, as of now, uh, you know, we'll see uh, whatever happens in November and stuff. But so uh, Obama is the only president in U.S. history who was at war every single day of his administration.
1: Um, Well, there was war going on. I'm not sure he was engaged in it. uh,
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Separate issue. But, you know, we were talking back in the day about every generation has some event that everyone in that generation will remember. So back then and before then, I'd have people in the classroom, pull out their cell phones and call grandma and grandpa and ask them where they were when they heard about Pearl Harbor. And Mm -hmm. in every case, they knew. Another one of those would, of course, have been the death of Franklin Roosevelt. For my generation, it was probably the assassination of John Kennedy in 1963. Uh, Following that, maybe the Challenger disaster. Uh, And then 9-11, which anyone at that time will remember. And now we have the most amazing natural experiment of uh, group socialization ever and that everybody will be affected by the corona uh, virus mm-hmm. uh, when all the problems we don't know how, how bad it's going to get or how many um, uh, people are going to die or what effects it'll have afterwards but everything is going to well many 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 things are going to be different when this is over and it's going right. to be it's going to be up to to you and to your students to fix it, to mm-hmm. figure out how to do it, and that's going to be a work of many years.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things I thought of, you know, is I had uh, I had a couple uh, aunts when I was a great aunts when I was younger, you know, who were in their eighties, and uh, and seeing how they can make use of every single piece of food or involved in the you know the bacon, you know, everything was use you would scrape out oh, the inside of the, egg, the of the egg to make sure that you got all of the egg uh yolk out and stuff and all the whites out and everything else and stuff and i would ask and it's like well that's that comes from depression living you know where you got to make your food last as long as possible you know and now here we are in 2020 um and and you know grocery stores are are you know part of the uh, people going and, and stocking up on supplies, and you got to make your food last, and everything else, and, and all of those lessons that uh, that those Depression era folks taught us uh, are uh, are now needed again. Which is uh, you know just comes around again.
1: So welcome to my world. My uh, grandfather uh, passed away in nineteen thirty five, thirty four, leaving Graham with six kids and a mm-hmm. mortgage. We didn't find, didn't lose the house, nobody went hungry, but it was a constant struggle, including cardboard in their shoes and on and on. So you can can bet that we were pretty frugal around the old hacienda when I was growing up. (laughs) Uh At, At the same time, when there was a celebration like a Christmas or a party or something, you would go absolutely all out for it. Partly because you could, and is a, you know, a relief from having to be frugal all the time. But
0: yeah. these things last,
1: you know, for entire generations. So we'll see what effect this has on, on new students that we're talking to now.
0: I know. Yeah, it's just it, it's and it's crazy to just to, to know that you're living through history, um, that like this is going to be in textbooks and it's going to be studied by you know a wide range of of. You know, academic professionals from a you know a psychological standpoint, a sociological, political, economic um, you know all of the all of the the things that we learn about from our uh, you know professors and teachers uh, you know this this touches on on so many aspects of life that uh, yeah it's uh, it's fascinating to realize we're living through a case study right now.
1: Well, we are, and it also exposed some cracks in the US political and economic system in terms of mm-hmm. health care in terms of uh uh in, in terms of, of income and income security food security so there're going to be some very big changes yes. The important thing is to remember the basis of the of the country of, of, of freedom and uh, the lessons of the founders uh, which I still take very seriously and uh, we we have a very great country but there need to be some adjustments to make sure everybody
0: is uh taken care of. It. Yeah, absolutely. So, before we get into uh kind of the subject of uh, our talk today and stuff, um I just wanted to know uh you know, how is your uh your COVID-19 quarantine going?
1: Well, it's it makes me very angry that it's going to take as long as it's going to take because of multiple mistakes. Not only by the current administration, but certainly the current administration, uh, but but those administrations before who didn't keep the national stockpile stockpile uh, uh, up, up to date, um, not not treating this as a priority every bit as important as as worrying about terrorism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Gates, not surprisingly, has had his eye on the ball for at least the last five years, identifying. Uh, uh, probably a virus, a pandemic, panda, <clears throat> pandemic mm-hmm. uh, that would uh, sweep over us before we're able to prepare. And it's kind of like a house on fire. There is a golden moment when the fire department can come in and stop it. But once it gets too far, then then you start worrying about well, we'll just save the other houses around it, and it becomes harder and harder. And that mm-hmm. that's what has happened. And I I think that too many people, perhaps on both sides of the aisle, are turning this into a, a political football. I understand how, how tempting that is, but there are real people who are suffering. And as I am, as you figured out, if you have a fingers on your hands to count years, if I was Mr. Josie's professor 10 years ago, I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> the fact that uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle are trying to kill me off so they can open the country up tomorrow uh, is really kind of depressing. Now, I'm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I've, I've been in touch with uh, those people like Mr. Joshi and, and others uh, uh, who I've not met, not been in touch for a long time. We're having a virtual reunion on Zoom with my some friends from my, my ship, the USS Columbus Guided Missile Cruiser 12, uh, back in 1970. So 50 years, I haven't talked to some of these people. That's, wow. happening, that's happening tonight. And you kind of, you kind of realize what's really important to something like this, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, uh, our, my grand, my the elder daughter and, uh, uh husband and uh, two grandchildren are, um, you know, seven minutes away and we can, uh, they can come back, come over and stay outside and, uh, Social distance and all that uh, a little harder for our younger daughter and, and her uh, uh, husband and my da- granddaughter up in Atlanta, which is also kind of a hot zone. So mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of too bad. But we have we have a uh, a nice arrangement here and there's there's uh, you know room outside and so we're not really feeling cramped. And when things get cramped, you can just go out and. Drive around somewhere and come back, and it's it's right. Like, I'm down here in Macon, Georgia. Yeah,
0: there. that's what I thought. Yeah, which I mean, you know, very good for you. When I had you at in Chicago, I mean, there were uh there were some hell of a hell of snowstorms and stuff. And and back yeah. then, kids, uh you know, uh, well, one Chicago, there there's no such thing as a snow day, um, oh, and right. at Loyola,
1: sure there <laughs> ever ever for snow,
0: yeah. And at Loyola, you would uh, you would you would strap up in all of your clothes. You would you would brace because it's right on Lake Michigan, and so um, you know you would walk you know to campus, and you'd be you know hit by those winds coming off the lake, and you'd be freezing cold. You'd get into the room; it'd be ninety degrees. You would pile up all of your snow stuff in the corner. You know only to find a note on the board that the 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 teacher uh your professor uh you know his garage is snowed in and he can't get his car out, and so uh there will be no class today uh, no not not me uh, not you not you 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 never miss the class I had a walk
1: the uh yeah you need intestinal fortitude to live there uh my uh I noticed though that the students from and driving in from Des plains would be there. The kids mm-hmm. who had to walk across from uh, Murph's Hall uh, would would be late or wouldn't show up. I never did <laughs> understand that.
0: Yes, I know. It's uh, you know it, it, it is amazing how the the commuter kids you know they wouldn't miss a de- miss a beat, but the kids on campus couldn't couldn't get out of their uh, dorm room those days. Um, so, but uh, yeah, no that that taught me what a real winter was like. Uh, so um, you know, and then I. Uh, I, I haven't really experienced anything like that. Even though now I'm in Connecticut and stuff, we still we still don't get the winters quite like Chicago does. It
1: doesn't get bitterly cold, but you've had some nasty stuff up there the last couple of winters.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's it spared us the uh like this year we I mean I think we only got like maybe four inches of snow for the whole season. Um but no, there was two years ago where we got hit with uh three nor'easters in a row. Um, and, uh, you know, and we thought that was crazy for how much school it canceled. And and then this comes along and we're on week seven and it's just, (laughs) it's, it's a whole new ball game. Um, so, but so, um, I was so excited, uh, to, to reach out to you and email you. It it, had been a long time coming, uh, you know, and, uh, I, uh, I really appreciate, it was great to hear back from you and and your willingness to do the podcast, which is going to end up being a couple of, uh, of episodes because, uh we have, We have a lot to catch up on and talk about, but uh so so my memory was so I remember in uh you know I came for orientation in the summer going into my freshman year, which would have been uh in uh two thousand two um and so in September of two thousand two I started uh in my fall semester um and as i was scheduling my classes i couldn't really figure out what i wanted to major in um but i really uh, you know had liked government uh, i had just lived through you know the the 2000 election um with bush versus gore and, and was fascinated by it and so uh it, and so my dad was always a big fan of political science classes so i was i'll take a political science class so it was uh american politics political science 101 and i walk into damon hall the auditorium um, and, uh, and at the bottom at the lectern was professor Williams. Um, and so he, uh, had a class of, uh, I think there's 87 students in that class. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and while my study of government had before, you know, focused on, you know, the three branches and kind of what they do and everything else, um, uh, you really started at the beginning, uh, with the, these, uh, you know, constitutional, you know, foundations, uh, you know, and, uh, and it really just, uh, you know, sparks my interest. It, it, made me become a political science major, um, led me into a little bit of career in politics, but now teaching government, you know, I'm one of those teachers who in my, in my breast pocket, I have a copy of the constitution on me at all times. Um, and so, uh, and we've been reviewing some of the, uh, the foundational documents, uh, as I prep my kids for the, uh, AP test. And so we thought it may be fun, uh, you know, now, uh, that I mean that was 2002 so now we're 18 years later um, to kind of see if, if you if you changed it all um you know or and kind of how your thinking has evolved since I last have you uh you know on kind of you know what we came out with here in uh uh in 1787 at the constitutional convention and 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 how it's working today cuz i think uh you know our current government um is, a, is an interesting uh, uh counterpoint to kind of uh is is this really what the founders thought was was going to happen um you know so uh so if that's okay with you i would love to get uh kind of your opinions on you know well uh you know the job that you thought they did at at Philadelphia you know and how it's evolved um since then well a broad subject but a good way to introduce it
1: the founders get criticized uh, for uh, justifiably for their views on a lot of things that are, to, to put it mildly, abhorrent. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who, uh, as they say, that John Adams provided the prose and uh, of the Revolution, and uh, uh, Jefferson provided the music. Some of the most brilliant writing on, on the rights of man and freedoms were not those that he practiced himself, and he was a, a slave owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there is no way to justify this. But question is, given the times, uh, does that mean that everything else they did was, uh, uh, was bad or, or should not be emulated? Jefferson, uh, Washington, others uh, were very, very great people. And given what they knew and the, where they began, uh, they came up with a very good system. Uh, I think the best imaginable. Uh, you remember, when you think about them gathering around the uh, – uh, the, the, with the two their little tables in Philadelphia, Independence Hall, uh, mm-hmm. they were not uh, sort of a conclave of gods or, or all great political philosophers. So they were—they were very bright, very well educated. They had liberal educations, by which I don't mean liberal politically. I mean liberal in terms of broad that understood. They understood philosophy and uh, and theology and history and and uh, and they they knew how to write back then. Uh, but they were also very practical politicians, and uh, my judgment about the Constitution is that they did as well as they could under the circumstances. And that's really, you know, it's not quite what the, the most optimistic uh, you know, people would think ought to happen, but that's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the best they could. The biggest flaw, of course, was that they were unable to solve the problem of slavery. Uh, and had they tried to do so, there would not have been a constitution. There would not have been the United States and there would not have been a country that eventually would evolve a hundred years later, uh, to, or 80 years later to, to, to end slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't going to happen any other way. So they did the best they could. I think there the main understanding. If you read, um, uh, a Federalist Fifty One about uh, angels governing men and, and governing men over men, by which we would now say men and women, mm-hmm. uh, is that you realize that you to, the central issue is that the government has to be strong enough to govern, but the government needs to be able, must to be under control. It must, it must uh, uh, be governed itself. And the solution to this was to devise a structure of government where. Different parts of the government, but keep their eyes on the other parts of the government, and it keeps it in their place. And this was done by separation of powers and, of course, checks and balances. If you had Mr. Jajee in class, you've already—I'm sure—you've already had this very thoroughly explained to you. But he—he w- he was right on that, and that was supposed to work, and by and large, it did. But I think what we have seen in the in the Increased political polarization. Polarization. I don't mean just in this administration, but going back a ways, as the country became more, uh, more separate and divided, and the uh, rich getting richer, poor getting poor, and et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, it, the checks and balances didn't always work. Uh, in the case of the Congress, the idea was that the Congress uh, and the members of Congress would. In, would resist presidential encroachment because it was reducing the power of Congress and uh, therefore their own power, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, it hasn't and it worked that we you know, off and on with better or worse, uh, and it's still the best approach. But if you have a president that is, uh, for example, President uh, George W. Bush after 9/11, when I first you know ran into you, Mike.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, so it has so much political uh, tailwind behind him of people who are supporting almost anything he does. Some really bad things happened. and the they, Congress did not ex- did not uh, exercise his constitutional responsibilities. Now, and I will, I'm treading into very dangerous waters. But now we have a Congress where. Republicans vote straight Republican, Democrats vote state vote straight Democrat, and you don't have much crossing of the aisle, partly because there's no incentive to do so,
2: because Mm
1: -hmm. uh, most congressional districts are not competitive. And so you just simply have to get past the primaries and please your base, and then off you go to Congress. And there's a disincentive, in fact, to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And that that has... uh, Uh, Has resulted in the the inability of Congress to, uh, as an institution, to defend its prerogatives. Uh, And I'm I'm very concerned about that. And, you know, Newton's law for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Um, And I'm I'm speaking analytically, not politically, I hope.
0: And I try to. Yes, you are.
1: I thank you. I, I plotted this into my classes that I don't speak I try not to speak the language of politics in class. It, it, as a political analyst, um we've gone so far to one extreme now that uh should uh there be a change in the in the political composition, uh and as it, it appears now, although it's a long way between now and November, um, it appears there could be a massive uh change in the other direction. Uh, the Republican Senate is worried about a blue wave coming and maybe changing the Senate. And um, I, I am a believer in checks and balances. And I, I think for one party to have total control is a mistake no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the reaction that there will be in the next administration. And will that, will that go too far? Or will uh, the, Try to come across, come up with solutions that are as agreeable as possible to as many people. And I, I hope that is the case because we have, we are stronger together. And it's a when the Americans are, um, are are split, the country is weakened. Then we simply have to repair the fabric of the of the body
0: politic yeah it's uh you know it's it's interesting kind of just you know since I've been interested in this stuff you know to grow up in a in an age where you know uh there's you know at first it was cable television with you know more alternatives for getting your news you know i'll remember my you know grandma would always say you know let's you know well you know back in the day you know y you just you chose you know do you either what you know cronkite or uh or you know um who who am i missing uh murrow you have the wow. other
1: side. You have Huntley-Brinkley, and whoever was on ABC, uh, and you, you, we, had, we had three channels. I didn't get a TV until I was in third grade, mm-hmm. uh, but but you but people were listening to the same thing at least. And now I understand that people are now watching a greater proportion are getting their news from one of the major sources. So you you joke about the MSM mainstream media uh, media, but I tell you what. Uh, there, it's a lot more sensible than some of the things you find out there because there is nothing, no idea, so uh, silly or even hateful that you can't find a lot of true believers of that somewhere on the internet.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. With uh, you know, so I think YouTube launched in 2005. So while I was in college, um, you know, and now you have all these YouTube channels and all of these. Um, you know, conspiracy theories and everything else. And I mean, it's, uh, it is scary what, you know, um, sometimes a kid will say, well, I was watching this video last night and I'm just like, w- 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 y- y- no, 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 don't do that. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's, it's amazing that, you know, and then Twitter and, and everything else and stuff of, of just, you know, if you wanted to, you know, it, it, it used to be, uh, you know, you kind of had to, to, you know, come to the middle, you know, come to where, you know, the majority of Americans are and stuff, but now online you can find your tribe, you know, no matter, you know, how screwed up your tribe's beliefs are, you know, in every which corner of uh of, of the internet and everything else. And uh and I think it's uh and, and it's certainly played into this uh di- division uh amongst and, and then also this whole, you know, you don't win unless you absolutely win. Um yeah. Yeah, you know, I think a, a lot of, you know, some of the criticism from the left with uh with Vice President Biden, you know, well, look at all these awful things he passed in the 90s and 80s. Yeah. Well, it was a different, you know, Senate back then and stuff, you know, you you everything was a compromise. You you know, um you couldn't just, you know, the, have total control of one party and then uh you know, it's just, you know, if uh, you know, if if everyone hated the legislation, then they were doing something right. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because... Yeah you know, everything has to be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow and stuff. You know, it shouldn't just be an automatic yes or no on, on these things. And so, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think that this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I remember, uh, you know, learning about the, uh, the Washington quote about, you know, the house and Senate, you know, the cup and the saucer, um, you know, and, and now it just seems, uh, you know, that there's, uh, there, there's, it it doesn't matter the difference between the house and Senate. It just matters who's in control of each chamber um, and, and, and what they can do and everything else. And, uh, and yeah, I know reading some of these, uh, foundational, uh, letters and documents in the Federalist Papers, it's just, uh, you know, the, the, the intentions are so, um, so strong and, 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 and like you said, I mean, obviously we can't dismiss the slavery part of it and everything else and stuff, but, uh, but, uh, but well intentioned to come up with you know the be- the best possible answer at the time and stuff that uh, that has lasted this long. But then to see um, you know how how much it has has changed and divided. Uh, I don't know. There was an article a couple of years ago in the Atlantic called uh, James Madison's uh, Nightmare. Um, I don't know if you uh, had the opportunity to read it. Um, but I, I get into had the opportunity since I subscribed, but I did not read it <laughs> oh okay yeah <laughs> um, but so it kind of gets into the whole idea of uh you know uh, Madison never never thought that factions would be as uh as as widespread as they are oh, um, right. you know mostly attributing to social media of, of you know that uh that these ideas can gain um you know footing with you know groups of of the population and stuff and and now you know factions are uh, are are uncontrollable and too numerous to uh to, to deal with um, Well, two,
1: two, quick, two quick points the first is that it's very hard to be a moderate, but that tends to be where the where the sweet spot is in terms of policy. policy so 'cause if you're a moderate, they're getting it from both ends. If you are an extremist, you're lunatics like you just find you're only getting half the lunatics throwing things at you mm-hmm. and so it's 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 hard to be a moderate. Uh, and yeah. the other thing is, I think the impact of visual learning and short attention span, TikTok, uh, Facebook, et cetera, is, re- is rewiring young brains. And mm-hmm. it's really hard, it's always been hard to to bear down and, and do difficult reading of, and read things that were written, you know, 20, 40, 50 years ago, they were written harder, I think, for the general audience. Mm-hmm. Like piano music from the 20s was very difficult because people knew how to play the piano back then. And the
0: right.
1: news you can do it with two fingers, I understand.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. But I
1: think that's a, a deeper problem. And people grow up with the attention span of a fruit fly because they've never been forced to, to read. Now, I'm sure your students do not have that problem uh, coming mm-hmm. in touch with you and your, your other members of your faculty at your school. But, I mean, for too many people, it's really, you know... I think it's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but so I also was wondering, you know, just kind of uh, what you thought, you know. Cause so, like, where, um, you know, where did was was this just? Um, do you you know think over the years, that executives, you know, seeking this power, or just the fact that Congress, um, you know, never never really stood up. You know, for for maybe political purposes and stuff to to restrain. You know, because I mean, I teach. You know, the the War Powers Resolution. Um, you know, in 1973, and in, in Congress coming together to override President Nixon's veto of of the War Powers Resolution. But then again, it's never been invoked <laughs> since it was passed. Well,
1: well, most people don't know that. Points for you. My goodness. Uh, right. Uh, it's never been expressly invoked. Now they have, they have had functional equivalents by feeling like they had to pass a resolution of support. That sort of thing, and we wouldn't have had to do that without the War Powers Resolution. But it's not been expressly invoked. And every every president's come in since uh, uh, really the Depression has tried to increase presidential power. Uh, and and when you have a crisis, that is when people need the government, and you need centralized power. And the question is, how do you keep the control of things? At the proper level of government or even leave them for the people but it's difficult for any for a president to give up the power once they have it mm-hmm. uh, and and it wasn't president trump that discovered the uh ability of presidents to just write exe- make executive orders and then things you know changed uh the power of the president uh president uh obama did did it too now uh People may like what Trump did or like what Obama did, but the the point is the same, that they are expanding presidential power, as the founders expected. Now, what did Lord Acton say? Power corrupts. Absolute Hmm. power corrupts. Absolutely. By the way, um, I had an admiral as I was leaving active duty, and I'm sure he was kidding, but this was kind of amusing. He said, you know, Jay, he said, power corrupts. I said, yes, sir, Admiral. I heard that. He said, but absolute power. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed, and I think he was joking.
0: Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure. I mean, he was a very, very fine person. I'm sure he was. But uh, yeah. But that is the way it tends to. It's of an encroaching nature. The founders really understood human nature and devised a the government to deal with the fact that it was being done by humans.
0: right yeah I know we just went over this uh in 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 class and stuff of how uh you know in federalist fifty one of uh, you know allowing the government to uh to check itself you know to to make sure to deal with the, the worst of human nature uh you know i remember my my political theory class one of the classes that i could not take uh of yours, and uh Oh, man, I wish I could remember the, the professor off the top of my head and stuff. He always struck me as quite Hobbesian, um, whereas I, I feel like the younger me was quite Lockean. But uh, but as I've gotten older, I've maybe uh, sided with the Hobbes argument a little bit more, which I'm I'm not too happy with myself about and stuff. I'd rather be <laughs> the, the best Life in, in, in the state
1: of nature is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I also kind of like thinking about, you know, kind of the founders and what they came up with, you know, and then in today and stuff, uh, you know, one of the things I keep repeating to my students is that, uh, you know, this is, um, you know, a, a an example of, of federalism, you know, in action right now as we're living with and stuff. And so, you know, I wanted to get Europe, you know, is this uh, – is this an exercise in federalism gone wrong? Um, you know, or <laughs> um, you know, do we, do we still get the benefits of, of federalism? Uh, you know, in a in a pandemic where you know, depending on where your house is located and what zip code or what county or you, right. know, uh, you yeah. know what state you're in and stuff, vastly different um, rules and regulations and uh, and guidelines in terms of uh, of dealing with something like this. And you being in Georgia, uh, you know, firsthand, you're experiencing it. Right. Um,
1: th- there are two things going on. And by the way, you're right. It's as 51. I hope I didn't misspeak and say that. No, you did. You did. know you said it. You
0: said 51. I didn't, yeah. I didn't
1: say 52. I hope you had a snack nope. on the wrist of the ruler.
0: I'm nope, sure you nope. You're good. Block.
1: Okay. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Um, well, there are two things that uh, the government had that was created. First, it was a, a separation of the powers at the national level. Legislative, executive, and judicial, and there then you, you had the therefore the checks and balances. But it also was a system that was a federal system that had a national government and state governments where sovereignty was not at at at, at the federal level. That would be a unitary government. Sovereignty was not at the constituent level; uh, that would be a confederation. So, like the Confederate States of America, were a confederation where <clears throat> their power was in the states, <clears throat> and it made it very difficult for them to process the, to you know, prosecute the Civil War. Thank goodness for that reason. But what we're discovering is, it's a it's a debate between governors and, and the cities. And the cities are creatures of the state, and the states that have the sovereignty and the federal does separately as to who should do what and what level. And fortunately, we have a number of very competent uh, state government, uh, state governors who uh, uh, are doing the best they can for their states under, and their people under different circum- difficult circumstances, and that the states are, are forming regional compacts to figure out things and cooperate. Uh, whereas um, in a more centralized system, the federal government itself would 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 take care of that. Um, my own view is that I like the idea that there's some flexibility for states' action and you know that's where the culture of the people. On the other hand, I think we need to have a federal government who is uh, leaning forward and leading effectively, and not just you know, this this calendar year, but be, be, before that to help everyone prepare for easily foreseeable crises.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's uh I mean it's you know on one hand it was like the president was embracing federalism by saying, "Hey, let the states, you know, decide it and stuff." And then, you know, and then the next day, uh, he, you know, he uh is is railing against the the Georgia governor who, you know, by all rep- reports it looked like the governor had run everything by the administration and they were all on board and stuff until it became, you know, um, there is quite something to see him, uh, you know, throw some of his, uh, his biggest, uh, champions, uh, uh, under, under the bus, uh, you know, whenever he, he sees fit, I mean, he is brilliant at always creating a, an enemy for him to, you know, to rail against, but, uh, but yeah, and in a time of a, a national pandemic, it, it doesn't, doesn't do well to have, uh, have 50 different solutions, um, you know, to, uh, to an issue. So, uh. I don't know. It's uh, it's it, this is something else. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, well. Yeah. There's in, in a way. I'll try to. I try to. I realize that the tender young minds that you teach, Mike, would be shocked, shocked uh, if I put this uh, less uh, delicately. But having a uh, pandemic like this and having different rules for. Uh, you know what can be open and what can't be open is kind of like having a swimming pool in, in one section of which people were invited to relieve themselves. <laughs> <laughs> can you see how I could have put that worse?
0: Oh yes, yes. You no, know, that could have uh, that could have been uh, much worse. Yes, I. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's sad now when you have a, a generation of kids who have never. Uh, seen Caddyshack with the uh with the baby Ruth floating in the uh in the pool that Bill Murray fishes out. Oh. Um you know that, that they think it's something else. <laughs> yeah. I might unsee that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um well, uh so I yeah, no, I think uh I mean it's it's been an interesting experiment uh in, in federalism which uh I think it was Justice Brandeis who who said the the laboratories of democracy uh, the states were with, when it comes to federalism, but, uh, but, but these laboratories nowadays and stuff, uh, you know, maybe we don't want to test some of these, uh, these things that can result in, uh, in, in, in people falling ill and, and dying. Um, you know, although now you, you're you seeing a, a new argument of, uh, you know, uh, well, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, grandparents would be happy to 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 pass away for the, the safety of our economy, which, uh, which which I don't believe uh, we we fought wars over or anything else in our country's yeah, that's past. That's what I mean.
1: Every Everyone, I feel like I'm sort of sitting in, in the middle of a circular firing squad between the president and the governor and the people around. And say, oh, let's open up. Oh, by the way, interestingly, um, although Georgia is permitted now, as of Monday, I guess, to open up their the restaurants, um, most restaurants are not opening up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people had no intention of going to them. They did a little survey at our local TV station, like 84% said, we're not ready to open up. And that like 74% said, I'm not going to eat anywhere until this is over or at least better. Yeah. Until we have a reliable way to people know if they get sick, they're probably going to come out of the hospital. Okay. Uh, And best of all, of uh, a vaccine. Until that happens, uh, we are not going to go back to normal. And this right. is gonna, it's going to they 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 call it the uh, the hammer and the dance. The hammer is you, you stay at home. The dance is you release a little bit, you change a little bit, then you experiment. In order to do that, you have to have the ability to test, and you have to test have to be reliable and quick. And we don't have that, uh, so we are kind of in a pickle.
0: Yeah. You no, know, I, I I certainly know that. So, well, um, I can't thank you enough for do, doing this. Um, I want to do one uh, in the future on uh, on our, your military experience because I think it, uh, it. I heard some amazing stories from you, and I, I don't know how much we can hear about shore leave uh, on this for the high schoolers' here, but uh, but I'm <laughs> no, certainly. That wasn't, to... that wasn't my thing, but I
1: heard stories
0: from the sailors. Oh no, I know. But, yes, you you always were, were, stories, were
1: Yeah, stories, we're sure to stories. share that
0: part of it. Um
1: some of the stories I told you were actually true. We'll see which ones I told. <laughs>
0: um, you know and 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 especially uh uh the students Dr. Williams is uh is an expert on civil military relations. So I'm going to share his uh website with you guys so you see all the publications um uh, that uh that you read and and one of the one of the few books recommended by a prof- you know a professor for the class that uh that I that I held on to a, for a long time. Uh, uh you and uh and uh and Mr Sarkeesian's um you know work uh was uh were 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 really interesting and, and I think it's really uh you know evolved um this idea of uh you know the relations between the, to the civilians and military and uh especially with the you know when this administration first started uh the uh the the president had a certain fascination with all of his generals um, and so I'd love to get, uh, your take on, on that, but we can't, uh, we can't have a three hour podcast and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to talking to you
2: man, and, uh, and I'll you look forward for, uh,
0: yeah, for, uh, reconnecting, uh, you know, it's, uh, your, like I said before and stuff, uh, that class and, and, and my, uh, relationship with you, uh, it's, it's one that I encourage my students to make with their professors when they go, um, off to college, uh, you know, it's just, there, there is nothing, um, you know, better and stuff of, of cultivating, you know, you miss some of that in high school cause we don't, they don't meet as regularly in college and they're only semester classes and everything else and stuff. But, uh, but it had a profound impact on me and my, and my teaching and, and, uh, you know, and I can't thank you enough for everything that you did for me. And, uh, um, you know, and I'm just trying to do my best, uh, to, to, to pass on what I learned from you to, to new generations of students. And, uh, um, and yeah, it's just, uh. I, I really appreciate taking the time and, and and more importantly, it's just it's just great to hear your voice and to catch up a little bit.
1: That well, was my pleasure, Mike. Anytime. And uh, and uh, to to your students, uh, pay attention, Mr. Josh, he's a really bright guy.
0: <laughs> well, I I I am only that because I had great teachers uh who taught me. So um all right, Professor Williams, you take care and we'll be connecting soon, okay? Yes, sir. All right, take care, bye. Bye now. All right. So that was Dr. Williams. Um, definitely can't wait to have him back. Uh, cause we missed out a lot on, uh, talking about his military, military career, um, how civil military relations have changed, um, in the United States, uh, since I last got the opportunity to take his class and, uh, um, hope you guys, uh, got, uh, uh, a lot of uh, information uh, from him, uh, and he's just uh, a wealth of knowledge, and, uh, and and most importantly, just one of the, the nicest gentlemen I've ever met in my life, and uh, I really feel blessed to have uh, had him as a teacher at Loyola Chicago, um, and he has definitely had a, uh, an amazing impact on, on my life um, and then career now uh, in the classroom. So, um, it's Friday, uh, let's get out there and uh, get done with school work uh enjoy the nice weather this weekend get away from the screens um not think about uh you know some of the things that we got going on um and hopefully we can just uh you know stop and smell the flowers things are blooming things are getting green um you know and uh Even though uh, we're still in our our quarantine and and everything else and stuff, uh, there's still a lot to be thankful for. And uh, I'm certainly thankful for you guys uh, all the time. And so uh, I miss you. You guys be well. And I will be back with you on Monday. So take care and I'll see you.